This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to episode number 10. Calling all mavericks, you bring us the future. Man, I'm so excited that I'm actually producing episode number 10. That may not seem like a big deal to you, but it is to me. I've had 10 episodes now. I've noticed that I've had over a 1,000 downloads of my show, so thank you so much for listening. And I would love to hear your ideas for future shows. I've got lots of ideas, but I'd like to scratch you where you itch. So thank you for listening. I would love it if you'd tell your friends, tweet about it, go to my Facebook page, Spenzel, Leadership Answer Man, and like me and share that. Uh, I would just appreciate it a lot if you could spread the word. Now, if you look on my show notes for this episode number 10, you're going to see a fascinating picture. It's a picture of my very first computer that I bought in 1982. Okay, now by the fact that it's that many years ago, you know that I'm not a, I'm not a young dude. <laughs> <laughs> and that that computer was not exactly a state-of-the-art computer. It's actually a Tandy Radio Shack TRS-80 Model 3. We used to call these trash 80s. They had two five-and-a-quarter-inch uh, floppy drives and about, I don't know, 8K of RAM. That's not 8 megabytes or gigabytes. It's 8,000 bytes of RAM. It was ridiculous. But, hey, it worked. It was it had a, you know, the, the green screen. But there's a reason I have that picture, which I'll get to later in the show. This is a show about Mavericks. I love Mavericks. I've traveled to a lot of different countries uh, around the world. I've had the chance to travel to over 100 countries and speak and teach on leadership in many, many places. And when I use the term maverick, I realize it's not a very transferable concept. So I have to kind of explain it to the Chinese audience or to some of the other audiences that I speak of. Uh, but you all, if, if you've spent much time in the American culture, you probably know what a maverick is. When I was growing up, there actually was a show that started James Gardner, and it was called Maverick. He was a cowboy. So one characteristic of a maverick is they're sort of cowboys. The term comes from a man who was actually, his name was Samuel A. Maverick. He died in 1870. He was a Texas pioneer who did not brand his cattle. Back in that time, everybody branded their cattle. You know, they used, they got this red hot iron and it was the initials of the ranch or the family, whoever owned the cattle and man, they just burned the hide of that poor cow and put the brand on there. Well, Maverick refused to go along with the crowd. He did not brand his cattle. And that's what a maverick is, it's an independent individual who does not go along with the group or a party or the crowd. And we need mavericks. Every organization, every business, every church needs mavericks. They're the creative types. They are, um, um, another word for a maverick is a visionary, an entrepreneur, a change agent, 
a nonconformist, a dreamer, a creative type, a person who thinks outside the box. Now, I love this topic because I'm a maverick. I always have been. Creativity is my middle name. And I love the topic of creativity because no matter what your endeavor is, you need creativity. As a sidelight, uh, I live here in Colorado. I like to mountain bike. And I have a particular place not far from my home called the Back Country where I like to ride my bike. And this is the time of year when uh, they allow cattle to graze in this whole backcountry area that has a lot of beautiful single track trails. And I kind of get a little afraid of cows sometimes. They are really big and they'll be right in the middle of the path. And I know they're basically harmless, but uh, they still scare me. But you know what I've noticed? They don't brand cattle anymore. They had these huge tags in their ears, which is probably a lot less painful than the brand. So, hey, you know what? They eventually got over branding anyway. So I'm always thinking of the Mavericks when I see these cows just staring at me with this uh, big old tag uh, punched into their ear. Are you a Maverick? If you are, listen up. I am so glad to have a conversation with you today. Regardless of where you're at in uh, your organization, your church, your ministry, uh, your business, you need Mavericks. They bring us the future. You know Mike Rowe, the guy, Dirty Jobs guy from uh, television, from the cable TV, Mike Rowe, he says uh, he wrote in an article in Fast Company magazine, corporate cultures tend to step over good ideas if they don't come through the proper channels. That's why we in leadership need to listen to Mavericks because all the great breakthrough ideas that have happened on planet Earth generally come from the fringes, not from the institutional core. Revolutions start on the streets. Revolutions come from the fringes, the people out on the front lines who come up with great new ideas of how to do stuff. And those are oftentimes mavericks. So we need mavericks. I want to just give you a couple of examples of uh, faith pioneer slash maverick visionaries that I really respect. Uh, One was a woman by the name of Henrietta Mears who did a lot of Bible teaching in Los Angeles. She impacted so many people a long, long time ago, people like Bill Bright and other great Christian leaders. Henrietta Mears was a pioneer Bible teacher. Another one is Francis Schaeffer. When I was coming of age, I loved to listen to Francis Schaeffer. He was such a maverick. He constantly challenged the status quo. He had a place in Switzerland called Labrie Fellowship. And this was back in the days of hippies. And I was a hippie. And this was the Jesus movement. And people would would make the pilgrimage to Labrie to learn about all the radical new ideas that he had about Christianity and how to be a follower of Christ. I still remember a series of videos that were broadcast in churches all over America entitled, How Shall We Then Live? My gosh, that was an amazing paradigm shift for Christianity back in those days. Great faith pioneers. How about some mainstream examples? Well, there's Stephen Jobs, who 
I just love the book, the big white book that came out called Stephen Jobs about his life. Talk about a pioneer. Whether you like Apple computers or not, you have to respect the guy who was such a pioneer in technology and uh, changed five huge industries, including things like computers, um, music, animation, uh, mobile computing, telephones, cell phones, you name it. What a pioneer. How about Howard Hughes and airplanes? How about Oprah, who transformed daytime television? Uh, What an amazing creative person. Whether you agree with who she is or not, I have to respect her pioneering maverick spirit. Howard Schultz, I love this pioneer. At the end of the show, I'm going to give you a recommended book to read, and it's one of the two books that he's written. Howard Schultz founded Starbucks Coffee, and I like that story, whether you like Starbucks or you think it's a ripoff. He went to uh, Italy, and he tasted Italian espresso, and he thought, wow, this stuff is seriously better than gas station coffee, which America is used to. Not only did he like the coffee, but the other thing he really uh, liked was what it's called the third place. The experience of having this place where you go. Now, I went to Starbucks earlier today to actually prepare the show notes and the outline for this show right here. The place was jam-packed with people working there. You see, more and more people are working for themselves and working on their own and telecommuting and not having to go to an office. And Starbucks has become that office for a lot of people. Well, whether you waste your money there or not, he single-handedly changed the coffee habits of Americans. And people told him back then, you know, nobody, no American's ever going to spend more than a dollar for a cup of coffee. And he proved them wrong. I love that. That's a maverick. Now, we need mavericks. Mavericks are our way out of the slide toward institutional bureaucracy, which we all face sooner or later. In the history and the life cycle of any organization, any business, any church, any ministry, any nonprofit, we go from passion to policy. We go from inspiration to institution. You know, we come, we go from being born with this great idea to preserving the status quo. Large organizations usually kill mavericks before they can take root. You see, mavericks make messes by their very nature, the good messes that institutions need, but we don't like to listen to them. Now, we need to learn uh, to recognize uh, truly useful mavericks. You see, mavericks help us learn. Now, what's the difference between a troublemaker and a useful maverick? A troublemaker, you know, you know the kind of people that all they like to do is just gripe and complain about how things are, but they don't want to be part of the solution. They just like to gripe and complain about the problems. That's not a useful maverick. The key characteristic of a maverick is that they have uh, some great ideas that they're willing to try. They're willing to be team players, roll up their sleeves, and be a part of the solution not just complain about the problems. So we need to learn to find truly useful mavericks. You see, we live in times of change. A great poem, which I read years ago in the book Abduction by Robin Robin Cook. In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there everywhere, We are living in times of change. So learners 
inherit the earth. Here's the 11 commandments of organizational paralysis. If you're a maverick, here's how people shut you down. If you are in charge and you're shutting down the creative types, here's some very useful ammunition for how to drive mavericks out of your organization. The 11 commandments of organizational paralysis. Number one, that's impossible. Number two, we don't do things that way around here. Number three, we've never done it that way. Number four, it's too radical a change for us. Number five, we tried something like that before and it didn't work. Number six, I wish it were that easy. Number seven, it's against policy to do it that way. Number eight, when you've been around a little longer, you'll understand. Man, I've been there. I remember when I was in a brand new leadership position and I was working for a lot of people a lot older than me that had been around a lot longer than me. And every time I came up with a new idea, they'd say, oh, you know, when you've been around a little longer, you'll understand. We tried that before and it didn't work. Number nine, who gave you permission to change the rule book? After all, it's really all about the rules and the policies around here, isn't it? Number 10, let's get real, okay? I mean, seriously, you actually think that's a good idea? And number 11, how dare you suggest that what we are doing is wrong? You see, that's one of the fundamental reasons why mavericks are uncomfortable why we don't enjoy being around mavericks is because they threaten the status quo. They threaten the way things used to be. And uh, we don't like to let go of the old things. You know, I have this collection of old technology. and uh, I have this picture on my blog post on this episode from this, uh, this old computer I had. Well, I have some other old technology that I've collected, like I have an old IBM Selectric typewriter. You know, it has the ball on it, you know, and you can, Donna, when she was in grad school with me, uh, she used to be a wizard on the IBM Selectric typewriter. She could make it stand up and beg. She was so good on it. And it had this little ball with all the letters on it. And it had this revolutionary new idea. It had a correcting tape so you could lift up the the mistakes and, and correct them right on the sheet of paper. Well, here's the lesson. If you plug that thing in today, it still works, but it's obsolete. But we like to hold on to old things. How dare you suggest that what we are doing is wrong? Well, a maverick is just suggesting it's not the future. It's the old way of doing things, and it's going to become obsolete. It may not yet be completely obsolete, but it's on its way. Have you been through an airport lately and noticed where all the pay phones used to be? You see, that was an old paradigm, and it went away. You cannot find a payphone anymore. You just borrow somebody's cell phone if you lost yours or yours died. And, of course, now all the airports everywhere, they have these charging stations, (laughs) and everybody's got all their devices plugged in. How dare you suggest that what we're doing is wrong? So those are the 11 commandments of organizational paralysis. You can find them on the show notes on episode number 10. I want to give you a couple of great examples of pioneers, one from the past and one from the present. One from the past, Henry Ford. We uh, contribute the automobile revolution to Henry Ford. He wasn't the first guy that built an automobile, but he was the guy that popularized the paradigm. He created the new paradigm 
that shifted from horses and horse-drawn buggies, easy for you to say, uh, to automobiles. Here's what Henry Ford said. If I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. You see, he was a maverick. And he didn't go around asking people what they needed. He figured it out himself. Now, just suppose how many people Henry Ford ran into that laughed at his ideas. Well, here's a modern day example. Stephen Jobs. And Stephen Jobs said this, our job is to read things that are not yet on the page. That's what mavericks do. That's what creative people do. They Dream of things that are not yet on the page. That's creativity. That's being a maverick. That's thinking outside the lines, outside the box. If you're a parent and you've got young children and they love to color outside the lines, they don't shut down that behavior because they may just be the next generation of creative types of out-of-the-box thinkers. Here's the three deadliest phrases for a maverick. We tried that before and it didn't work. We've never done it that way. We've always done it that way. Those are the three deadliest phrases of mavericks. What happens to people? Uh, Have you been in that situation? Maybe you're in that situation right now and that's kind of what management is telling you. And What are you going to do about it? Well, you got two options. You're going to convince them otherwise or you're just going to be miserable. You may need to go to another place where when you are planted, you will be able to block that people will listen to your ideas. I'm a firm believer in the principle uh, when I have helped and encouraged mavericks and creative types, he who is faithful in the little things I will put in charge of much. So here's how you deal with maverick types that are messy and they're complaining and they're challenging the status quo. You ask them to be part of the solution. You give them a piece of the action. Say, I want you to take this responsibility in our group and I want you to demonstrate your ideas to us. You know, don't give them the whole farm right away. Let them prove themselves with some initial ideation and initial implementation of some of their ideas. That's how companies create new products. That's how churches come up with new ministries. That's how nonprofits pioneer amazing new ways to do a lot of good in a lot of needy places. Give Mavericks a chance. So in 1982, I was living in Europe and I worked for this organization and my boss was way back in Chicago, 1982. And I wrote him and I said, I need to get a computer. And I nobody in our organization that was not in the home office, who was out on the field, had a computer, a personal computer. Well, we were creating leadership textbooks and leadership curriculum for leaders in Europe at the time. And, you know, I kind of convinced him that if we could work on a computer, you know, we could standardize this curriculum, we could uh, review it. This was the beginning of word processors where you could save documents and improve them and print them out and edit them and reprint them out. And he finally said, yes, I'll never forget. It cost 30 Now, that was over 30 years ago. That was a lot of money. I was working in a nonprofit. I raised the money. I got it. And uh, that was the beginning. I was the first field person that had a personal computer. My boss was Arno 
ends. What a great guy. He was back at the corporate headquarters, and I was messy. I was a maverick, but he gave me a chance. He encouraged my creativity. I've always been so thankful for the way he encouraged my creativity. And eventually, I became the CEO of the organization and moved to Chicago myself. But I've always appreciated the fact that he did not shut down this maverick. So go to my show notes at leadershipanswerman.com, episode number 10, and you can see the picture of my very first computer. Here's the application to the show today. Nurture mavericks. Look for them, encourage them, nurture them. Look for them, listen to them, learn from them, and give them a chance. And if you're a maverick, I hope you will, uh, instead of wanting to change everything overnight, Uh, Here's what I suggest. You go to your supervisors with some of your ideas. My youngest son, Andrew, just this week did this. He sat down with the owners of the company that he works for, and they actually gave him a chance. I have to applaud them. They said, tell us, uh, he has some great new ideas for marketing their company. And uh, they, they listened to him. He created a PowerPoint. He was sweating it out, and he presented it to them, and he came home that night. And I said, well, how did it go? And he said, man, they were really receptive. And, and I said, okay, what else happened? He said, well, they liked my ideas, and they asked me to go to the next level and to create another presentation with some very specific applications of how will we introduce these ideas, you know, piece by piece, one at a time. And I thought, that's some pretty smart boss there because you know they didn't shut him down they didn't say his ideas were stupid they were i i haven't seen the presentation he was probably gave him a lot of great stuff he's a very smart kid of course he is he's the son of hans and donna (laughs) and uh and i think they did the right thing they said give us some more specifics and so we can ponder the implementation of some of them so if you are the maverick and you're frustrated that the boss or the leadership doesn't listen to your ideas spoon feed a few ideas to them don't flood them with the whole dump truck, you know, all at once. Okay, thanks for listening to the show today. I want to leave you with the quote of the show and then a couple of books to recommend to you. The quote of the show is from General Eric Shinsky, who was the former U.S. Army Chief of Staff, a four-star general. If you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. What a great quote. If you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. And I want to give you a couple of books that I'd like to recommend. I am a huge fan of of, uh, Howard Schultz and the way he created a whole new company and a whole new paradigm and changed the way people think. Oh, and, and just by the way, created hundreds of thousands of new jobs all over planet Earth. And I think that's kind of cool. Job creation is a lot of what it's all about. First book he wrote was called Pour Your Heart Into It. And it's the initial story of the founding of Starbucks and how against all odds, he got Americans to spend more than a dollar for a cup of coffee and against all odds created a new place, a third place for people to work, which has become America's hangout. The second book, which is a fascinating follow-up, is called 
onward. You know, he did the same thing Stephen Jobs did. He eventually relinquished control of the company, and the company lost its bearing, lost its anchor, lost, uh, how, how can you say, its original calling and, and niche and place in the market. Stephen Jobs came back and saved Apple. Howard Schultz came back and turned around Starbucks. And the, the book Onward talks about that second iteration where he came back to take control and help to reinvent Starbucks. And as of today, uh, at the time that I'm recording this episode, Starbucks stock is at an all-time high value. It's a great, great company. Howard Schultz. Again, whether you like Starbucks, whether you're a coffee drinker or not, uh, you've got to appreciate leadership lessons from him thanks so much and for you who are mavericks out there can i just say don't give up the fight don't give up the dreams keep pushing your ideas we need them thank you this has been hans finzel thank you for listening to the leadership answer man remember that leaders make great things happen Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership.